What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Round two is no joke, even when you're facing the Joker. This is where the, we separate the pretenders from the contenders. Get some skin in the game with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. They're offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at $10,000. That's right, 10 Gs, baby, in total prizes each day. The best part, it's free. If I didn't make that clear, it's free to play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games. Track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from what team will hit mo the most three-pointers a game to which team will score first. And the best part, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. That's right. No risk here uh, in getting your money in and out. It's that easy. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use the co promo code TBPN. That's promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes and use that promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hi, everyone. Tim Kitzer here, the voice of NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. Welcome to the Solar Panel. Tonight's matchup, Espo versus the Silver Fox versus Carmel Thunder. Ooh, boomer shakalaka. Ahoy, ahoy. Hello and welcome everybody into another edition of the Solar Panel. Wherever you're listening to us on this audio-only audio edition, we appreciate you, the Flaming Ballers, more than you know. I'm your host, Greg Esposito. Ahoy, ahoy. And joining me as always, the man, the myth, the legend, the silver fox. It's Dave King. Dave, how are you? <laughs> Pretty good, Espo. <laughs> I love those intros. And we've got the Carmel Thunder from Down Under. It is one Saul Bookman. How are you, Saul? Hey, fellas. How are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. We've got a, a special guest, which is part of why I'm doing so well, because I don't just have to talk to you two. I get to actually talk to somebody that knows a little bit Leave about it to Espo to always throw us under the bridge every <laughs> single he time. He sets Dave. us up and then he every time. over us. Yeah, that's what he does. He, he lifts us up just to tear <laughs> us down. That's all he does. I, that's what this show's all about and why people listen to it. But we've got a, a special guest, as Is I mentioned, <laughs> Justin Russo of Clip and Roll joins us. Justin, thanks so much for uh, taking a part, uh, being a part of this episode today. No problem, guys. It's uh, when you guys hit me up asking if I would be on, I was thrilled and more than happy to be here. Well, obviously, we're looking a little bit ahead. The Suns wrapped up their series with the Denver Nuggets on Sunday. Uh, they completed that sweep. And now they wait for the winner of the Jazz Clippers series. Currently, as we record this, it is 2-2 in the series. And anybody's ball game now, as they like to say with Game 5 on the docket. Justin, just overall, what's the current state of the Clippers and how are you feeling about the series with the Jazz right now? 
Well, the good thing with the Clippers is you could always look ahead and, you know, forecast exactly how things are going to be planning to go for their <laughs> franchise in the future, you know. But uh, no, as it stands, you know, 2-2 two, two I think is kind of an acceptable result for them based on how the series started, how they looked at times. So, you know, they came back to L.A. They looked great. They had large stretches where they looked like the absolute dominant team that they can be. But as we've seen with them throughout the season, it's a little bit touch and go at times in that department. Why are, why are the Clippers so volatile? Why are they so up and down and all over the place? It feels like you can never get a read on what Clippers team is going to show up. And is that going to be a problem, you know, as we move forward, whether it be in this series or, or a possible next one? I think it's always a problem because it's been a problem for them in, in this postseason where they don't get off to good starts. Now, game four, they did, but they've constantly fallen behind the eight ball and it, you know, Coach Lou always keeps talking about they need to have this defensive mindset and intensity to games, and it's just not always there. I don't know why it's there. Some guys just take an off night. It happens, but it's been too common for them in the last couple of years, even before this current iteration of the Clippers. You know, even when you go back to Lob City, it was the same way. I don't know why it happens. It, you know, it would be a great psychological thing to break down for the last couple of years to figure out why it is something that happens to a team that hasn't won anything. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I don't want to, I want to start talking about individual players a little bit, but I want to warn you, Justin, we don't allow for any positive talk about Marcus Morris in this in any podcast <laughs> related to solar panel. So I can't let you say what a great teammate he is. The more I are off limits. The more, <laughs> more I positive, more I comments are off limits, but knowing that, what would you say is is the key to the uh, the Clippers actually uh, winning besides Paul George and Kawhi Leonard obviously playing like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can? What are the X factor? What are the keys to the Clippers winning the series against the Jazz this week? It's the small ball. They've heavily embraced it. Um, it reminds me a little bit of what Ty Lue did in Cleveland in the later years, where they went a little bit smaller in some of their series. Uh, Kevin Love played the five at times, you know, and LeBron was obviously the four. Now, the Clippers don't have the type of stretch big that Cleveland had with Kevin Love, but they're trying to do similar things. And they have a Swiss Army knife or French Army knife in the form of Nicholas Batum that's allowed them to do this. And his resurgence has made him the X factor. What he's been able to do this season, the fact that they can actually start him and not lose anything with him on the floor. And even dating back to the Dallas series, he was one of the biggest difference makers. If you go look at all the lineup data, uh, when Doncic was on the floor and Batum was on the floor with him, the Clippers hammered Dallas. And anytime Batum was off the floor with Doncic on, the Clippers got hammered themselves. So, um, And a similar things happen in this Utah series as it pertains to Batum and Gobert, which is a really interesting dynamic because you would, you would figure Rudy Gobert at 7-3 couldn't really – uh, like he would be able to take advantage of those opportunities, but Utah hasn't been able to do that with him. I think Batum's the biggest X, X factor because he allows them to play smaller. But perhaps the biggest one is the fact that Reggie Jackson has become such a knockdown shooter at this stage of his career that he gives wow. them the spacing that they've desperately needed out of their guards. How likely is that to continue? Reggie so, Jackson being your knockdown shooter. So it's kind of funny. Like people, people think this is a blip, but even dating back to last season with the Clippers, he was doing this and he did it in the first round in the bubble against Dallas last season. And then he carried it through to this season with the greater spacing under tie and, you know, playing with Kawhi and PG more like 
you look at that starting lineup with him in, in, in place of Patrick Beverly and their offensive rating was through the roof primarily because he was making like 46% of his catch and shoot threes. And he's continued to do it in the postseason. He's, he's really transformed himself into a knockdown shooter, which I just did not see coming, but it's, it started to happen. And the sample size has grown to a point where I don't think it could actually be brushed away. Sticking on the, on the player side. I mean, we've heard, Every joke there is about, uh, you know, uh, about Paul and Paul George. And do you, how do you feel? What's the confidence? <coughs> Sorry, I was choking. Go ahead. Oh, okay. All right. Playoff pandemic. Oh, uh, uh, it's all up there. Uh, how, how's the confidence level in Paul George uh, in, in LA right now? Do they, uh, do you guys believe in what he's able to do at this point? Do you think he can carry? Uh, the Clippers to uh, to a win in this series and and actually have a major impact against the Suns if it winds up there. I think if I, it's really interesting, the player that he is this season is not what he was last season. Last season, he primarily leaned into being a great three point shooter, which he is. He's one of the best three point shooters when you attribute to volume and percentage. Um, but what he's transformed himself into this postseason is. If his shot isn't falling, he's going to drive like hell to the rim. And it's been such a big change from even this past regular season because he didn't drive to the rim a lot. You know, I think he averaged like 10 or 11 drives per game. And now he's up to about 15 or 16 per game in the postseason. And he's getting to the paint. Like when he sees Derek Favors, it's like a shark scene blood in the water. <laughs> and it's it's made Derek Favors really hard for Utah to play in this series. Um, and then you obviously go back to Dallas and he was just, like a banshee going to the rim against Porzingis and Boban and, and Maxi Kleba. It didn't matter. I think that part of PG's game is the reason why even when he has the quote unquote bad game, he's still very productive because he is getting to the line. He is, he has become a better passer and decision maker. Now he's not one of the best decision makers and passers in the league, but I don't think it could be discounted the leap that he took from last season to this season in that department. You know, you, you talked about small ball a little bit ago, and then obviously PG right now. Uh, as we look forward, let's just say that the Clippers uh, make it past the the Utah Jazz and get to the Suns. The matchup, the matchups are clearly different, right? Obviously, the Suns can go small and they can match up. And DeAndre Ayton, as a big, is a little bit more flexible than uh, a Derek Favors, if you will, and and maybe uh, not as much of a of a mismatch for Nicholas Batum on the wing. Uh, with DeAndre Ayton in the fold because he's a little bit more of an athletic big. Uh, what, what is your perception on the three matchups this season and how the Suns would match up with the Clippers? So it's a, I don't think there's really anything I could take away from the Clippers-Suns matchups this year. Like even I didn't even take anything away from Clippers-Mavericks, and I didn't take away much from Clippers-Jazz because when I look at Clippers-Suns, one of their matchups was so early in the season. It did, like There's nothing to glean from that. And then what was it? Uh, they Phoenix comes to LA second night of a back to back. I believe they beat Utah the night before, right? Yes. And and then you know Phoenix goes absolutely cold in the second half from three. Like regular season's regular season, but when you get into the matchup basis of everything, DeAndre Ayton has been one of the most impressive players I've seen in the postseason this year. Um, the the physicality he's displayed uh, against the Lakers and then against Jokic was mind blowing. Like he's been great defensively this year. And he is the type of big who I think can give the Clippers problems because he is an athletic rim threat who has great touch around the rim and versatile enough to move his feet on the perimeter to stay with a small ball lineup. So that's why a Clippers-Suns matchup to me is very intriguing because of a guy like him. 
So uh, back to Paul George for a second. I, as there was a graphic going around Twitter today of each state's least favorite player, the player they hate the most in the NBA. And most, I don't know where they got that data. Yeah, I saw that too. I was like, what? Yeah, bet online or something like that was yeah. putting it together. But anyway, most of it was uh, LeBron James, like more than half the states in the country. He was the hit player they hated the most. Arizona was unique, and I don't know if you saw this, Justin, but Arizona um, apparently thinks Paul George is the most hated player in the NBA um, among Arizona people, and that kind of surprised me. I know Paul George and Devin Booker have had a little bit of a of a beef, at least on court. They may love each other off court, but on court, they got a little bit of a beef, and Paul George plays played great against the Suns this year. I'm just looking at his numbers. The dude... 32 points in 36 minutes a game against the Suns and shooting 60% on threes, 56% on all of his shots. And he's been a monster against the Suns. What do you, what do you think is there is there a beef going on is there something we should we should worry about here in Phoenix? I don't that's actually weird to hear that like Paul yeah. George is the yeah. most hated player in Arizona. It's like, weird. I, so many other players to pick. I don't understand why Paul George was that. <laughs> I'm actually looking at the map right now, and Kevin Durant's the most hated player in Nevada. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's because he never plays, and he costs everybody their betting lines. That's why. Yeah, it's probably, <laughs> it, could, it could be. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's very weird. I don't know. I, I would never. I mean, maybe there's a Fresno State thing that I'm missing out. There. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, like, it's just yeah. it's just random. But um, I, I have noticed that there is some. I guess animosity between Devin Booker and Paul George at times and the Clippers and Suns don't really, I don't think their players like mesh well together on the court in terms of uh, personalities. Like it's the, it's the type of guys that they're going to be. And honestly, if they do meet in the postseason, that's what you want out of a series. You don't want two teams that like each other going head to head. That's right. kind of bad for storylines. So but look, if PG is the most hated man in Arizona, it makes me actually want to see this series even more because <laughs> if he misses or makes a, a series deciding shot at the Western Conference Finals against them, I can't wait to see what happens in that state. <laughs> well, speaking of, uh, of the arena here, a lot of attention been paid to Suns fans, how loud they've been throughout the playoffs. Uh, L.A. And, and Southern California – Opening now, uh, reopening as of today, which means there's no limits. It, it sounds like that they could be full capacity at, at uh, you know, out there at Staples Center. How big of an impact do you think that will be for the Clippers uh, in the Jazz series? But also if they're if they make it into the Western Conference Finals against the Suns, because the Lakers fans were uh, pretty much a non-factor in that first round. Yeah, it's it's been a very strange experience being at the games, um, being there without fans, and then the slow trickle of fans over the last like two months that have come in. And I think uh, Game Four on Monday had I believe about eight thousand or nine thousand fans in there, and uh, Game Six will be full capacity, as you said. It's just going to be kind of interesting to see, I guess, the intensity level in the arena. Because even on Monday, it felt like a playoff game. Game three had a feeling of a playoff game, but game four really had like that bloodthirsty crowd feeling. <laughs> and it, it makes me wonder what game six could look like. And even a conference finals, you know, the, the, the joke is a lot of fans of other teams come to Clipper games, and that's true. 
I mean, they are cheaper tickets, which I think is a good thing to get fans in the door. Um, I know Suns fans travel extremely well, and Los Angeles is a city. What is it? What is it called? Like a transplant city, basically. Like, you mm -hmm. know, you have people from all, all over who come there. So, you know, at Los Angeles isn't the home court advantage that probably Phoenix would be or, or obviously Utah would be. But I still think having a full capacity is a monster deal for a team that has only seen full capacity arenas on the road in the postseason. Just a little update, guys. Uh, the All-NBA team just came out. Uh, and Clippers-wise, Kawhi was on the first team. Suns-wise, CP3 was on second team. And Clippers-wise, uh, Paul George was on the third team. And that's the only three selections from both teams. Also, no Devin Booker. No Devin Booker. We'll get into that later. But uh, Bradley Beal, though, on one of the worst teams in the – or actually, no, they made the playoffs. Never mind. One of the worst, though. I mean, well, they on. still weren't great. Uh, the Justin, does that, does that surprise you? Was there any uh, – did you ex expect anything different from a Clippers perspective when it comes to All-NBA? Uh, not really. I do find it interesting they listed Paul George as a forward because he didn't really play much forward this year. He was a guard yeah. for the most part, so – and you know, any, the way they can, any way they can squeeze them in there, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I love, I absolutely love the position flexibility they give to some guys. It just blows my mind. It, yeah. Positionless yeah, basketball. Apparently, right? Bam Adebayo is a forward, according to the the voting for the All Defense yesterday. Um, <laughs> question for you about the uh, CP3 on the set made second team All NBA, thirty six years old. Justin, you've been a Clippers fan for a long time, and or at least in the LA area. Um, so you remember CP on the Clippers. Do you get any sense? Is he the same guy he's always been? And he just, people love him in the first year. I mean, we just love Chris Paul and we don't know how, why players would end up not liking him as much, but is it just, he wears you down or, or what do you think happened? So I think he can be grading and I don't mean that in like a, in a, in a negative way. I think he wants to win so much and, and like every game he wants to win at the highest of levels and he's his motors constantly at that top, top tier that I could see why some teammates would find that grading where every day is the same, but I think that's what makes him great. And if you sit there and, and you critique the guy because he's playing too hard, I just find that to be absolutely ridiculous. He's one of the greatest players I've ever seen. He's still the greatest clipper I've ever seen in my life. I think his, his will to win is right up there amongst the all-time greats. He just hasn't won a title, which isn't his fault. Um, he, at 36 years old, if you would have told me this is what he looked like, I probably would have also believed it because his game is the type of game that translates perfectly to this era of the NBA. I, I heard him talk about, uh, I believe after game four, how he lives in the mid range because of the way that the game has evolved. That's the shot that's open, mm -hmm. which is really interesting to me because when I talked to Lou Williams earlier this year, that was the exact thing he said to me is the way that the game has evolved with five out spacing and everyone wants to take threes or layups. The mid range is where I live. Like that's the best shot for me to take. And Chris has really maximized that. Um, he still has that same competitive fire. And honestly, I'm thrilled for him. I I'm, I root for him still. I think he's, he's, I can't rave about him enough to be quite honest. Why why oh. why do you think, you know, from a from an outsider's perspective, Chris Paul kind of gets a bad rap? Um I think it's because he is that ultra competitive guy. He's in that mold of like a Draymond to me, where like they are trying to win every single second on the court that some people think it's over the line or you know, it's it's beyond the realm of what should happen. 
I, I just look at it as it's it's a guy who wants to win, and those are that's what a guy who wants to win looks like. I mean, because be, to be honest, like before Chris Paul got to to the Suns, there's a perception that I had that like, man, he kind of looks like he'd be kind of an a-hole, you know what I mean? But then you see him come here and and how he's embraced everybody and his teammates love him and and how he's built everybody up. And you're like, wow, I had that completely wrong. <laughs> he, he's one of the nicest guys off the floor. <laughs> I was just going to say, he is an a-hole if you're playing against him. If your yeah. team is against him, yeah. that's when, when that perception comes in. My favorite Chris Paul moments in a game are when he knows the other team has four-plus fouls and he just draws the fouls. He just does whatever he can. He does the sweet move. And then he just walks away from the dude as the dude's freaking out. He just walks to the free throw line, puts his hands on his knees, and waits for the ball to be given to him. <laughs> it's been that's been his move for years. And it's and it's just funny to watch. It's funny to watch that entire sequence unfold because you know it's coming. Like, <laughs> like the second he gets the ball on the wing and the defender's playing up on his hip, you know that swing through's coming and, and there's nothing you could do. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that the Clippers are. Um, well, I guess we kind of mentioned it a little bit ago that they're kind of up and down. But you think Kyrie going down had any effect on the the change of play and the and the the motivation for the Clippers as they came out yesterday and and basically blew out the Utah Jazz, especially in the first half. No, I don't. I don't think they're looking at what other teams are doing. I think they've always been kind of singularly focused on themselves and how they can get better all season. They've just been talking about like, it starts with them. It starts with their mindset. And I think yesterday was a step, the furthest step, I should say in the right direction to them actually playing what equates to close to a full 48 minutes of basketball. What? So what are the biggest, I'm sorry, Espo, you go. No, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say, what are the biggest, uh, uh, well, you talked about the strengths of the Clips, and you're saying uh, going small ball has really helped them against both Dallas and and now the Jazz, and we're seeing it on the court, and their commitment to to that small balls is really helping them out. What are your personal biggest areas of concerns for this team right now that you uh, worry about every – like I wake up every day worried about DeAndre Ayton and getting into foul trouble. I know the Suns are in big trouble if he does. Um, what's, you wake what's up every biggest... morning thinking about that. Well, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a little. <laughs> maybe it's ten minutes after I wake up. Maybe it's not in the moment I open my eyes. But yeah, on a game day, that's because the Suns are in big trouble if he gets in foul trouble. If against a big team, now small ball team, maybe not as much. But what are your biggest areas of concern, Justin, um, on either on a player level or on a scheme level? So. The benefit that they've had by going small is also a weakness, which is they're not rebounding at a high enough level by going small. Um, they have done pretty decently gang rebounding and bodying the bigger guys on the glass and tipping the ball away from them. But there are times where they'll go through a stretch where they just can't get a rebound or they give up multiple offensive rebounds on one possession and we saw this in the Dallas series where Dallas just annihilated them on second chance points because Dallas was so big that anytime they'd miss, they get the rebound. Um, that's probably their biggest weakness right now is because they went small. It's really hard to get rebounds. Um, we have seen PG, we have seen Kawhi dig down on the glass, but they're going to have to do a lot better even in this series against Utah and potentially against Phoenix, because that could lose you a series, you know, one or two extra possessions for the opponent. That could be the game and that could be a series. The other weakness I would, I would honestly say is they get into 
a bit of a rut offensively at times where they will get caught in one-on-ones and just trying to dribble and seeing if they can take a pull-up over somebody, which at the end of the day, in the postseason, sometimes that's the best shot you're going to get. I understand that. But they go through two, three, four minutes at a time where they're not moving the ball as much as they should have been or even had been a couple minutes before that. So rebounding on the defensive glass when you go small is probably weakness number one. Weakness number two, I would honestly say, is just way too much one-on-one at times. When uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask a, a selfish question because we want any uh, any advantage we can get in this series that that's possible. When you look at <laughs> when you look at the matching up, Clippers matching up with the Suns, what's the area of weakness there for in, in your mind for the Clippers? Where's where's the Achilles heel so we can run to Monty and go, hey, hey, we've got an idea here to, to, to help this team. So it would first off, it would be point guard because Chris is demonstrably better than anything the Clippers can roll out. Like he's way better, obviously, than Reggie Jackson, Patrick Beverly, even if Rajon Rondo gets dusted off at some point again in this postseason. But the advantage that Phoenix has with Chris from a ball handling standpoint, from a shot making standpoint, from even a defensive standpoint at the point guard position is leaps and bounds ahead of the Clippers. And DeAndre Hayden is the best big man in that series. And when you have the best point guard and you have the best big man, that pretty much can win you a series by itself. And even with the advantage the Clippers would have on the wings, the advantage with Chris, who dictates nearly every possession or at least stretches of possessions for Phoenix and is going to get them the singular best shot that they can get in any possession, that is a problem that the Clippers would have to solve. And I'm not quite sure they could actually do that because at times, you know, dating back with Luca in the first round, even dating with Donovan, you know, here in the second round, they are, they can get caught. The Clippers can with ball watching uh, like a great ball handler. They can just get caught ball watching them. And if you do that against Phoenix, you got bridges in the corner, you got Crowder in the corner, Booker on the wing, you know, you get caught digging down too far on Chris and it, it's going to be lights out for you. The, the, That's good. So, we're going to, we're going to give that to money. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing that I, I think is unique potentially about a Clippers Suns matchup is the fact that it is a battle of who the basketball gods hate more, right? The two franchises who <laughs> seem to have always been snake bitten to, do you get do, do Clippers fans still feel that? Is there still a sense of these are still the Clippers? I mean, the, the reality is they've never actually even made the Western Conference Finals, correct? So, so this would be a first to just even get there. Is that a is that a sense that Clippers fans still have? Let me tell you, uh, in the arena during Game Four on Monday when they were up by twenty nine, there were still people that were worried about how they would actually blow it. <laughs> so it, it, it doesn't go away. It does not go. They, you know, I, I think the stat now is like they've won 104 straight games when they've had a double digit lead entering the fourth. But if you ask Clipper fans, how many games in a row they've, they've won when leading by double digits going to the fourth, they might say three. Cause that's just, <laughs> that's just the perception is, you know, they blow every lead that they have. And, you know, I think life as a Clipper fan has been, like a love hate relationship. I almost equate it to the Chicago Cubs before the Cubs won their title, yeah. uh, their most recent title, I should say. Um, you kind of wonder what's going to go wrong. And you kind of, 
while you hate what could go wrong, it's also the most soothing part to you. Like, like when it happens, you're like, ah, there it is. And you feel this great vindication for sadness. <laughs> uh, Justin, you, you sound like you could be related to me in, in that <laughs> yeah. answer, because I think I've said the same thing about the sons here on the program before. Uh, we're, we're almost, uh, almost out of time here. We'll, we'll let you get going in a second, but I want to hear Justin, your prediction, do the Clippers make it, to the Western Conference Finals to take on the Suns. So I haven't made a prediction all postseason for a game or for a series. Because <laughs> but for you guys, I will say I think they do win the series against Utah. I I, uh, I think they found things against Utah that I'm not sure what Utah can really do to counter it. I mean, you look at the last couple of games in L.A., Utah hasn't really been in those games in the second half, and right. Utah's still making threes at a very high level. So I'm I'm which, not sure which game would they are they more likely to win game five or game seven on the road game five there's I don't think they're gonna win a game seven afternoon road game in Utah that's that's that is just way too many factors <laughs> so you think they win the next two and just finish it out that's if you had to if you had to make a prediction that's what it would be. If they win the series, they're winning in six. I don't think they're going to go on the road and win a game seven. Well, Justin, don't worry. We won't We won't hold you to it. We yeah, appreciate we you. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you making a pick, though. Let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find the show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at flybynight. That's F-L-Y-B-Y-K-N-I-T-E. You can find Clip and Roll on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, just go over there. You can hear me rant about the Clippers for like an hour at a time and, and just understand what it means to be a Clipper fan and just sad all the time. <laughs> well, well, it'll be it'll be a unique matchup if it happens in the Western Conference Finals. For, uh, two two fan bases that are just waiting for the bottom to drop out somehow. So we just hug each other at the end of it. We're just going to hug each other in sadness with everything. <laughs> a second pandemic will hit in Game Seven, and there the will gods be, could make it no that either team wins that series somehow. <laughs> Both teams are losers, and the Western Conference just forfeits. Yes. The gods would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Saul, Dave, before we get out of here, I want to get your thoughts on the Clippers. If you're sitting here now, we 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 have at least till Sunday before before game one of this series. So I'm sure you're very much like me where you've you've you keep thinking about which team you'd rather face. We'll talk about the Jazz later in the week. Uh, but right now, when you look at the Clippers, what is the reason you want to play them? What would be the reason you don't want to play them? Saul, why don't we start with you? Uh, well, the reason I want to play them is their inconsistency. And yeah. I think that the crowd here in Phoenix is going to have a large large effect on the way the Clippers communicate and play. And since their communication isn't all that great anyway, um, it just enhances that. Uh, and the reason why I don't want to play them is I do believe that Kawhi Leonard um, can take over any ball game. And I know Chris Paul can to a degree as well. And so can uh, Devin Booker, but it's not the same. It's, it's not the same. Like Kawhi is an elite, elite type of dude that can be completely unguardable um, and, uh, so he, he scares me for, you know, on, on multiple levels, especially the defensive end as well. Uh, so I, I think that's the reason why I would be like, Oh, you know, they got two superstars and that's the reason why I would rather play the jazz. Dave. Um, yeah, it's really interesting because this is, this is a tough matchup. The, the, 
the for the Suns. The Clippers can make shots at such a high level on the outside, and when they're playing smart, when they're playing good basketball, when they're playing cohesive, they can blow the doors off any team. Uh, and the Suns saw it. I think the Suns earlier this season in the in the matchups where the Clippers won two out of three, um, the Suns. Yeah, one of them was on like as Justin pointed out on the second night of a back to back for the Suns. The Clippers blew them out a couple of times. They, they felt like the Suns did not have an answer for the Clippers, and that's what worries me when they're when they're on and they're focused that you can't just beat them anyway. Um, but as Saul says, they're so inconsistent. You got to get them off, and you get them off their off their center. Get them knocked around a little bit. Get them get them off their comfort level. And you know what? There is probably not a better player in the league to get another team out of their comfort zone than Chris Paul. Chris Paul is a monster. He's a driven monster when it comes to taking the team off their game. And that, I mean that on both ends of the court. Um, he, Chris Paul, when he wants to, he can be one of the best defender, defenders in the league. He made nine all defense teams, the smallest guy in the league, almost short height wise, um, and has such the quickest hands that he can, he can do whatever he wants. Uh, on the perimeter on defense. And I think when he needs it, he can he can pull that out of his bag, even at 36 years old. And then, of course, offensively, he can control, as Justin said in here. Um, so I feel like if the Suns can get the Clippers off their game, the Suns can win. If the Clippers find their comfort zone four games out of seven, the Suns can't stop them. That's my big worry about playing the Clippers is, is how do you keep them out of their comfort zone for at least four of the games? Can I, can I add one more thing, Espo? Of course. Uh, it, uh, I, I'm just going completely off a of recollection of these games that were played earlier in the season, but the games that the Suns lost, they were uncharacteristically sloppy with the ball. I want to say they had – And they couldn't make a shot. Yeah, and they couldn't make a shot. So I think that changes to a degree, obviously. Oh, yeah. They're playing way more solid than they have been all year, and so I think that would be a, a drastic difference. Yeah, You're me, absolutely right. Sorry about that. Espo, we want to hear your point. <laughs> for, <laughs> for me, it's two two reasons I, I want to play them. I feel uh, that Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton could have very big series, especially if the Clippers stick with the small ball. Mm. Rudy Gobert is not an offensive force like DeAndre Ayton can be, especially against a, a smaller a group of guys that he's going up against. So I think he could do something uh, special. And then I, the Clippers just don't have an answer to, to Chris Paul. Uh, as Justin uh, alluded to, I just, I, I don't think they'd be able to stop him, but the, the big reason I think the Suns would have an advantage is Tyron Lou versus Monty Williams. Who would you rather have making adjustments, making changes, making the chess move after each game? It's Monty Williams by by a country mile in terms of that. And that's that's what I, I, I really like about it is, is that I think Monty would have the advantage. And he's had that. I think he had it against Frank Vogel. I think he had it against Michael Malone. And he'd have it against Tyron Lue. And, and I think that's a bigger deal in the playoffs than it ever is in the regular season is how does the coach adjust? What does he see that he puts his team in the right, uh, the right mindset to win? Uh, you know, so that's why I'd want to face him. You know, you, whenever you have to, I think Saul, you made this point, two superstars, like in, regardless of, of whether, uh, Paul George uh, has had his issues or not. When you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, 
that's a tall task for any team, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, Mikhail Bridges can shut down one guy potentially, but but how are you taking care of the other guy? And we've seen Kawhi lift a, a roster of flawed players, guys that aren't aren't necessarily as talented as the guys across the court from him to to win a title, to win a to win a conference finals in, in Toronto. And I, just that possibility, it just is a little unnerving when you look at it. I, I don't think Utah has that guy at all. Uh, mm. I don't think they have the kind of guy that could could single-handedly lift them through a series, and that's Kawhi. You know, even Paul George has that potential, but Kawhi's the guy that's proven it before. That scares me. For sure, for sure. No, I totally agree on that. All right, well. Dave, any final you know, thoughts? Just one last thing I was going to say. You brought up DeAndre Aiden about having him having a good series. One thing that I, I really feel good about with Aiden is that uh, the Clippers, look, um, if the Clippers go small and they go five out, they're going to try to, on defense, get Aiden away from the rim. They're gonna, he's going to have to. He can't just sit in the paint or he gets a three-second call. So he's going to have to be out there. Well, A, Aiden's playing at the top of his game right now. Uh, and B, who beats DeAndre Aiden on the perimeter? It's the quickest, fastest guards in the league, the all-league guys. You can't stop Steph Curry. You can't stop Dame Lillard. Oh, boo-hoo. You know, nobody can. <laughs> but you know what? Paul George and and Kawhi Leonard, for all they are, as awesome players as they are, they're not the quickest. They they play with, with power. And DeAndre Ayton can counter the power. So I feel like they're not going to beat DeAndre Ayton off the dribble um, they're going to have to power through him, and he's so good at not drawing fouls that I think that can go well for him as well. So I do think Aiden can stay on the floor even when they go small ball. Um, that's just what's special about him. Well, if we're talking about Clippers, you know we've got to we, we've got to talk about this. The greatest Clippers on the planet, Manscaped, right? If you hey, if you want to if you want Clippers the best ad exactly. <laughs> if you want if you want Clippers that are far superior to anything LA has, I mean they're 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 better than the Kawhi of Clippers. All right, they are the 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 best Clippers that you can put in your nether region. It's Manscaped. Head over to Manscaped.com. Use the code Flaming Ballers, save twenty percent, and get free shipping. That is flame the code Flaming Ballers at Manscaped.com. Twenty percent off. And free shipping. Uh, you you knew I was going to get it in there. And then Clipper. I hope we get a, a seven game series against the Clippers, so I can make as many so damn puns about Clippers, Clippers That's right. as a <laughs> as I can for our our sponsor. Big thanks to Justin Russo for joining us on the program. Make sure to check him out on Twitter and check out the Clip and Roll podcast. Be kind to him. Are we uh, are we not going to talk about the snub stuff, or are we going to just move that to Saturday? I think we save that for Saturday. I think okay. we'll have we'll have a, another preview, probably a jazz preview, potentially Thursday going up, and then we'll, we'll come back snubs. to you on Saturday with a a snub focus and a, a potential. We we may know who they're taking on either on, on Sunday. At that point, we'll preview it. But we want to do some team specific uh, podcasts, looking at who they may match up against since we've got you know the longest break without Suns basketball we've had since the all-star break and it's yep. it's uncomfortable right now without <laughs> without games so we figured we'd talk with some Later. people that know the teams they may face uh, pretty well so big thanks to Justin Russo check out his pod as always you can follow Dave King at Dave King NBA the NBA is there because when you need a guest on your podcast 
Dave goes, Hey, Greg, do you know anybody that, uh, that covers the jazz uh, you know, or the Clippers? No, <laughs> Dave coming through with the, with the guest today. So a big, uh, big appreciation to you, Dave, you follow Saul at Saul underscore bookman, the bookman's there because, you know, even with two superstars, uh, you know, you, you get enough room to, to get by there. You Saul's always good. So even if Kawhi and, uh, and Paul George are there, Saul's going to be all right. All right. That might be, that might be your roughest one yet. It is. I don't even know where to go. You tried, you tried and it, uh, it didn't land. I don't think I, try, I tried to be nice to Dave. And then I thought, Oh, do I need <laughs> to be nice lost to Saul? all your mojo? Uh, yeah, do I need to be yeah. nice to Saul? And yeah, then you killed your own mojo, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Never change change who you are. Never change who you are. (laughs) The space is there because I had to take some time mentally to try to figure out what I was going to say. And I whiffed majorly. So follow him at Saul underscore Bookman. You can follow me at Espo the show at Sun Solar Panel. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you're listening there. And as always, we thank you, the Flaming Ballers, for being part of the program. We'll talk to you later this week with a preview of what the Jazz could potentially bring against the Sun. So until then, ahoy, ahoy.